We're in Galatians, Um, and if you have been here for a while, you know that the book of Galatians um, um, is saying the same things. You are justified by faith and faith alone. But one of the things I want to be able to do tonight as we go through there is really point out in Galatians um, the grace of God in our justification and then also the grace of God in our sanctification. I know those are terms that need defining, and we'll define that in a second, but overarching, that's what we're going to do tonight, is just saying here, we know it's by faith and faith alone, and the justification part we get, but as Christians, when it comes to the sanctification part, it's not a part that we're, we're usually comfortable with. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you guys meet me in Galatians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, why don't you raise your hand, and the one of the guys will be able to get you a copy of a Bible. If you don't own one, please keep this copy. It's our gift to you. Um, if you do own a copy, but you forgot your, uh, your Bible, go ahead and raise your hand so the guys can get you a copy as well. Um, and as you turn there, let me just kind of give you an overview um, on where we've been so far, or just kind of a review. Chapter 1 and chapter 2, uh, we saw that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Galatians, in Galatia. The issue that was going on in this church is that they had begun by believing the gospel, that the gospel was by faith and faith alone, in Christ and Christ alone. However, there was a group of Jewish Christians who believed in Jesus for faith and, and um, for salvation, but they also believed that the, the way that you can improve upon your standing before God is that you add it to it works of the law. So works of the law included uh, your diet and how you ate. Works of the law included circumcision. Um, Works of the law included the things that God had for the Old Testament covenant, um, which were now completed in Christ, and therefore we don't have to do those things anymore. And so Paul writes this letter then. Again, chapters 1 and chapters 2, there's a defense of the gospel. There's a defense of Paul's apostleship. And chapter 3 and chapter 4 are very theological, and that's what we're going to be tonight. And so I'm going to try my best to be a professor instead of a preacher, but I'm going to be asking for all sorts of amens and stuff, I bet you. So if you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? For it is before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Before we go any further, would you guys bow your heads as we ask God to bless our time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the spirit that you give us, and we thank you for your text. God, I thank you that we are but broken people in need of a Savior. We are in sinners in need of a Redeemer, and God, we thank you that you have met that need in Christ. God, we pray that you would illuminate your scriptures, that we may see the text, Father God, and that you would bring clarification to us. God, that we may live in light of the gospel. God, we thank you for the finished work of your son, Jesus, in Christ's name, amen. We, we, we titled this series Fighting for Grace. And the reason why we titled it Fighting for Grace is because it's something that, that's so hard uh, to maintain. It's something that's hard to maintain, to preach to ourselves, to remind ourselves, because everything around us does not preach, everything around us does not preach grace. No philosophy, no other religion pe- preaches grace. In fact, the closest thing that we have to grace is karma. Um, I don't have this quote on the screen for you, but I found this, and this is by uh, a guy named Bono. I don't know if you guys know who that is. He says this, you see, at the center of our religion is the ideal of karma. You know, that, you know, what comes to you comes back around to you, eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, or in physics, it's physical laws. Every action is met by an equal and opposite one. It's clear to me that karma is at the heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. And yet, along comes the idea called grace, to upend all that you reap what you sow stuff. Grace defies the reasons and logic. Love interrupts, if you would like, the consequence of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I'd be in a lot of trouble if karma was going to get to be my final judge. I'd be in deep trouble, 
It doesn't excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross because I know I am out. I know who I am, and I hope I don't have to depend upon my religiosity. He, he gets it. Um, the, the grace is, is completely trumps everything else that we, that we learn about. It turns everything else upside down. That when we start to dig into biblical Christianity, we see it's a reversal. The, the way that you gain things is by losing things. The way up is down. And, and, and Paul, in this letter, goes back over and over again for grace. And so we said, if we're going to be saying the same things over, the one thing that we want people to get is that the way that we begin our relationship with Jesus Christ is by grace. The way that we sustain and grow our relationship with Jesus Christ is by grace. And that's where Paul begins here. So there's a few things. I got three things that I want to teach about justification and then four things about sanctification. The first thing we see in verse one and two are the three things on justification. Um, justification is a one-time act of which God makes a sinner right before himself. One-time act. So every single person, every man, every woman that believes in Jesus, no matter if you've been a Christian for six seconds or for six years, you're justified the same. One-time act in which God acquits you of all your sins, forgives you, and makes you righteous. Um, three things that we learn from this text. First, Paul, verse 1, says, Oh, foolish Galatians. He calls them fools. He's upset because they're not getting the gospel. Believe it or not, he's speaking in loving ways. When it comes to the discipleship, sometimes you need to call people fools, all right? Because sometimes people just don't get it. And Paul says, not because there's a, there's a mental disability you have. He says you're being careless. That's what it means to be foolish. And he says, who has bewitched you? Who is tricking you to believe something else? He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this only. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? First thing we know is that Christianity, ultimately, and justification being made right before God, it's an experience. And I know that's hard to hear, especially if you've been around Bible-teaching churches. Sometimes we want to stay away from experience because it's so subjective. And yet what Paul does to this church is he first says, don't you remember? Don't you remember how you became a Christian? Like, this was an experience. Um, not, not necessarily where you were or what you were doing, but saying, don't you remember that, that you became a Christian and it was by grace and grace alone? The second thing that we see of justification is that it's a work of the Spirit that you and I, we don't become Christians because we desire to become Christians. And I know that that's hard to hear sometimes because every single one of us have a moment. We have a time that we became Christians. Um, there's two different camps. There's some people that have a spiritual birthday, they call it. They know the time. They know the moment. They know when they raised their hand. They know what camp they were at. They know what song they were singing. Um, and then there's some of us who go, I don't know exactly when, but it was around this time. And so I don't want to discredit any of the experiences of how you did it, whether you walked down an aisle or whether, whether someone came with you and you prayed a prayer. The, the, the point is, why did you do it? What, what, what made you respond? And ultimately, what we know about justification is it comes by the Holy Spirit. If you've been around church for any time, you, you know that there's a famous passage in John chapter 3 where Jesus is talking to a Pharisee, so a religious man named Nicodemus, a man who knew all about the scriptures. And he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and he says, Jesus, um, how can I receive the kingdom of God? And, and Jesus goes, well, you cannot receive the kingdom unless you're born again. And so he goes, born again? What, what does that mean? Can I go into my mother and come out a second time? And Jesus says, no, that would be awkward, right? <laughs> he says, 
the way that you're born again ultimately is by water and of the Spirit. And when he communicates the water there, it's an allusion to Ezekiel when he talks in Ezekiel that one day in this Old Testament, he's saying, pointing to the day of the Spirit, that the Spirit would cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and then ultimately the Spirit would also give us new life. The Spirit would write the law within our hearts. And so this, this process first starts with regeneration in which the Holy Spirit opens up our dead hearts to make us respond to the gospel. It's the reason why we got out of the chair, the reason why we responded to the gospel whenever it was that we did. And yet, what Paul is saying is, this is an act of the Spirit. And, and in, verse, in verse two, he says, let me ask you only this, was it by the Spirit or was it works of the law? In essence, did you do something to earn this? Did you do something to make God love you anymore? No, God loved you because he loved you. And the last thing that we see is it comes with hearing of faith, meaning the gospel has to be proclaimed, that you hear that you were a sinner and that you hear that Jesus is Savior. And Paul says, this was publicly portrayed to you. He's reminding the Galatians, this was publicly, this was, you, 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 it was almost as if you were there. In verse one, he's not saying that the Galatian church was there when Jesus Christ was crucified. He's saying that's how real it is. To, to no matter how long you've been a Christian, you can remember how real the gospel was when you first believed it. As if Jesus, you could see the nails of Jesus being nailed through his hands. As you can see the thorns being, being twisted and put on his forehead. Paul says, you, you, you remember that. that. That's what Christ did for you. And, and all of us have a story. Everyone in here that, that is a Christian, you, you could tell your story, what it was like. And I remember when I first became a Christian, I didn't, I didn't know um, how I became a Christian. I didn't know the gospel, but I knew I was a Christian. I can remember hanging out with my buddy uh, RJ, and we were out at some place at night um, drinking Sprites. And, and, and that, that, that night, I, I still wasn't walking with the Lord. I didn't know any of this language. I didn't even know a Bible. But I looked at him and I said, dude, I'm telling you, man. I didn't say dude. Come on. I said, dog. Let me tell you something, man. God is changing me, man. I'm like this new guy now. And he looked at me and he goes, nah, man, you're drunk. And I'm like, I'm only drinking Sprite, right? Some of we have an experience. We know. I don't know the exact moment, but I know something happened. I heard the gospel. I, I sensed the weight of my sin for the first time. Different than guilt, different than knowing that wasn't perfect, but I sensed the weight of my sin. And simultaneously, I knew that God had lifted it up. I knew that God had forgiven me. I, I knew that God was publicly portrayed, as Paul says, as crucified. The gospel is not preached unless you mention sin and the fact that Christ died for sin. And the word crucified there, it, it, it communicates something that happened in the past but has continuing results. Meaning the cross of Christ is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago and that's it, but it has continuing results that by the Spirit, God is still working through the power of the cross. And, and what we see in, in chapter 1 in uh, 1 John, it says that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And literally, we can, we can translate that too, is that he's still faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. So what we see in justification is, one, there's a real experience that you experience it. We experience it differently. Um, some people don't know exactly when it happened, but you can say, looking back on my life, I know that I'm a Christian. The second thing we see of justification, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit has to open up your, your heart to see the gospel, to walk in the gospel. Now, as a side, people would ask, well, how do I know if I have the Spirit? Speaking in tongues or being able to, to sing really well or, you know, have oil or whatever it is, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have the Spirit. To know for a fact that you have the Holy Spirit in your life is this. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he was resurrected? Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be with him? Are you growing in, in Christ-likeness? 
Well, chances are that you have the Holy Spirit. Last thing that we see is it's hearing through faith. And so that's justification. This is all by grace, God's undeserved gift. For the past five weeks, that's what we've been unpacking, is that justification is by grace, God's unmerited favor. This next part, as we transition to sanctification, is something for us that is not easy for us to get. And nor was it easy for the Galatians. Verse 3 says this, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, that you're now being perfected by the flesh? But Paul's saying, first, you got, you, you got justification. You understood God's grace. It was, like, it was like it was publicly portrayed before you, meaning you could see it. It's like a, um, a billboard is the language, meaning you saw it. And most of us see billboards, and we can remember billboards, billboards that we like and billboards that we don't like. For me, it's coming in from Phoenix, and we're driving on the 10 freeway on the way to the 60 to get the Tempe, and there's this really terrible billboard, and it says University of Arizona. I'm like, that thing, how does that get there? Can we vote that out? Can we, can we, can we get that in Casa Grande? 60 miles to hell. I mean, something like that, right? <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. People always say, you can make all those U of A jokes you want. You wouldn't do that in Tucson. I'm like, I wouldn't live in Tucson. <laughs> Back to God's word, okay? So... Paul says, you saw it. It was real to you. You experienced it. You heard. But now why are you being so foolish? You started by grace, you started by the Holy Spirit, but now you're trying to be perfected, meaning the way that you're trying to grow as a Christian is through works. I wanna pause there for a second, because most of us here who are Christians, that's how we naturally think. I admit, that's how I naturally think, that I'm saved by grace, God forgives me of all of my sins, and now that I'm a Christian, I work really hard, I obey God's word, I read the Bible, I pray, I read the Bible again, and, and you know, if you're like me, I pray all the time, and then you, you grow in that way. No. Spiritual disciplines, reading God's word, prayer, being in community, giving, all those things are good things, but they're not the primary way in which we are perfected. And that, that, that's hard to teach because most of us, when we think about how can I grow as a Christian, those are the things that we ascribe to. Those are the things that we give people. When someone comes to me, hey, Ricardo, I want to grow my faith. Hey, man, hey, read John, the first, the, you know, the gospel of John. Start there. And yet, what Paul is saying that this church was doing, they were trying to be perfected by the flesh. Now, let me tell you what they were trying to do. It wasn't for them reading their Bible. Um, they were insecure. And, and, and insecurity came because they had other leaders, Christian leaders, people who had known God for a long time, the Jewish people that were now Christians, they were coming to them and saying, yes, believing in Jesus is what you need for justification. But now, in order to improve your standing before God, you, you, you need to do these other things. That's how you will grow, by works of the flesh. And Paul says, no, that's not going to happen. And the same thing to us. We are not going to grow in Christ-likeness. We're not going to grow in sanctification by works. We are not going to grow in sanctification by being good Christians. In fact, just the language good Christian is an oxymoron. We just said, you're more wicked and flawed than you ever dare believe. And yet in Christ, you're more loved and accepted than you ever dare hoped. You're not a good Christian. You're a Christian because you realize you weren't good. You're not all of a sudden now, now that you're a Christian, have the ability now to just be good. We still have to trust in that same grace. So I want, I, want, I want to explain this, how we, how we connect justification and sanctification. First, justification again, one-time act of God. Once. Once you're justified, you're justified forever. Sanctification is the progressive working grace of God in your life. Meaning, it's something that God is continuing to do in your life, a free 
free working of grace, meaning you don't earn it, that God now takes the justified, justified sinner and grows him or her to be more and more like Christ. And you say, what do I have to do with that? We're going to get to that. I'm going to give you four things of what sanctification is, and then what role do we have to play in that? First, how do we connect justification and sanctification? No need to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Um, Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never be taken away, or which cannot take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by one single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Uh, The word when he says has perfected is perfect tense, meaning it's a complete action in the past. It's the same word that you have here in Galatians chapter 3, as perfected. It literally means finished. Meaning the way that Jesus makes us right before himself in justification is by giving his life the ultimate sacrifice. It's grace. The way that he will finish us or make us right or complete us or sanctify us is by giving his life. It's the same truth. And what this passage lets us know that it is grace, God's work in both justification and sanctification. So let's explain what this means a little bit more. We say things, and I, just forgive me, as pastors, we say things like preach the gospel to yourself daily, and, and you guys go, oh, yeah, it's great. And every time I ask people, hey, when we say that, do you know what that means? No. Nah. <laughs> Sounds good, though, right? <laughs> or, or, or we say, we, we, we quote Tim Keller, who, um, I don't know, we, we love him. And, and we, the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity, but it's the A through Z. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, that, that's so beautiful. What does that mean, right? Here's what I want to do. I want to tell you what that means. When we say that the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity, the ABCs of Christianity is what most people who believe in Jesus understand, that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life for me, Jesus Christ died the the death I should have died, that God did this great thing where he put himself in the place where sinners should have been, and now I'm forgiven, I'm free, that he forgives me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. And yet now, that's justification, but now do I have to work really hard? And we would say, no, it's not just the ABCs. It's not just a set of doctrines that you believe to become a Christian, but the gospel is bigger than that. The way to renewal, to w- the way to a dynamic life, the way to be more and more like Jesus is by looking deeper into the gospel. And ultimately, that's sanctification. So here's, here's what I have here. First, here's what we have. Sanctification flows from remembering justification. Sanctification, not, you don't, you're not justified by your sanctification. That would be backwards. You're not justified by doing anything. You're justified by faith. Now that you're justified, your sanctification is remembering how you were justified, and you, it flows from there. Sin is always forgetting what God has done. And so you act as if you're still a sinner. You act as if, not that you're a sinner saved, but you act as if now God's wrath is still upon you. Here's an example of that. When, when I was in college, I had three surgeries on my shoulder. Um, just couldn't get it right. Well, after the third time, I, I got the surgery done. I had the sling for about six months. And after the sling was off and I was fine and I had gone through rehab and I can move my, my arm around, I'd constantly walk around like this. And my trainer would go, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, sorry. Ah. Right? And, and then again, I'd put it back here. And I would act as if I was still, I was still hurt. The gospel lets us know that sometimes we have to remind ourselves we're healed. We have to remind ourselves we're forgiven. Sanctification is going back to the gospel and saying, oh yeah, that's right. I'm completely forgiven in Christ. That's how I'll grow. It's by faith through grace. Number two, sanctification flows from remembering that your standing for God is already complete. 
meaning you are a new creation. By faith in Jesus Christ, that one-time act of justification in the gospel lets you know that whoever you were before, you are a new creation. And guess what? There's not going to be an upgrade. There's not going to be a better version of you. The, the next best version of you is not going to come out next year, and God's going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I want that one now. That's how we are, right? Someone gave me a free iPad. I was so excited, so grateful. The next day, I was like, oh, they couldn't give me an iPad too, right? Um, we, you could tell what people understand of the gospel when you ask them this question. Um, when I was a student ministry pastor, I used to ask children this, or t- teenagers this a lot, and I don't know why I don't do it now, but tell me right now what God thinks of you. Tell me tomorrow what God's going to think of you. Tell me the next day what God's going to think of you. Tell me the next day what God's going to think of you. And every time they would say, okay, today he thinks this way. And every day he would think better of them more and more and more. You know why? Because they were hoping that they would get better. They they were hoping that they would do right. What the gospel lets us know is that we are fully complete in Christ. That God doesn't look at us and go, almost. Almost. Still loading, right? Almost there. God looks and says, complete. And the way that we, that sanctification is reminding ourselves that, that our standing before God is already finished. When Jesus was on the cross and he says it's finished, he meant that it's finished. Number three is that sanctification flows from remembering that we have everything we need in Christ. Second Peter verse one, verse three essentially says that we have all things that pertain to godliness, that God's given us. And the reason why I put this here is when it comes to sanctification, people are constantly telling me, especially at our church, we have young, young people here and, and not a lot of older people. So you older people who are here, meaning like, you know, 29 and older, you older people who are here, thank you. But I hear people, oh, I need someone to disciple me. I need this. I need a better version. I need an ESV version. I need, I need to be taller. I need a girl. I need, and it's just like, whoa, 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 calm down. You really don't need anything. Is discipleship something that you ought to do? Yes. Should you be discipled? Yes. But God says this, through the gospel, he's given you everything you need to pertain to godliness, meaning the gospel is what you need. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't be in Christian community. Doesn't mean that you should look for an older woman or an older guy to disciple you. It's just saying you have everything. Quit using language of what you need. That, that sanctification lets us know that the gospel has already taught us that we have everything that we need to pertain to godliness. Uh, number four here, the last one, is sanctification flows from remembering that we are accepted in Christ that we are completely accepted in Christ, that, that God looks at Christ's record as our record, that we already have him. I think so often we spend so much of our time either trying to earn God's favor or trying not to lose it. When I, when I first became a Christian, the guy who was in my life, good, good guy, um, he scared me because he taught me that you can lose your salvation. He says, you're a Christian now and you're in, but if you don't act right, if you don't pray, if you don't read, and he meant, he meant well, you, you, can, you can lose it. And that scared me. And so for the next year, I'll, I worked really, really hard because my, my fear was, I'm going to lose this. And so I'd pray more. I'd read more. I'd pray twice. And then you ever did that thing where you tried to go a whole day without sinning? Wow. Fun, right? And you're, oh, again, start all over. It's like hitting the reset button over and over again. And yet, um, what the gospel teaches us is once Christ, always Christ. He doesn't give you his spirit, then takes it, takes it away. And so we don't have to spend so much time trying to earn or so much time trying to lose it. Uh, illustration of this, again, go figure, it's going to be a football illustration. But uh, my, my freshman year in college, my coach gave me an opportunity to play, to play and start, and, and I thought, you know, it was going to be great. Um, I have a lot of fun. And by the sixth game of the year, I was benched, right, and halfway through the season. And, and part of it was once I got the job, I, I, just, I just 
I choked. I just got tense. And after the season, he goes, what happened to you? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I just, you know, I just didn't want to mess up. And he goes, exactly. He goes, every time you'd make a mistake before you gave you the job, you just go to the next play and you'd play. You go to the next play and you'd play. When you got the job and it was already yours, every time you made a mistake, you looked at the sideline to see if we were going to come take you out. You looked at the sideline to see if we were going to take you out. You, you, it, it seems like you were acting as like you were ref- afraid to lose something. And I was like, where well, I was. He goes, what if I told you this next year, it's your job. Not your job to lose, but it's your job. No matter what, how would you play? I was like, pretty darn good, I think. I hope, right? And, and God gives us something far better. He says, it's already yours. Everything that you're striving for, you already have. It's not something you would ever be able to lose. He says, I laid my life down. I gave my son. It is complete. It is finished. That you're now Christ's record. When I look at you, I'm not looking at your record. I accept you not because of you. I accept you because of Christ. Therefore, I'm not going to reject you because of you. I never reject you because I accept you before Christ. Amen? That's how we grow as Christians. We grow from sanctification as looking back over and over again to the gospel. It's looking back to justification. It's looking back to who we are. It's reminding ourselves of our identity in Christ Jesus. Now, this last part here says, okay, but what's our response? Like, how do we play a part? Because the tricky thing about sanctification is in justification, you do nothing. In sanctification, you do nothing, but then you do something. But it's not really you, it's God, but you do something. It's really, really, really confusing, right? And, and the part here is this. Um, it's not a work. So it's not moralistic, so just sanctification is not something you work, and yet on the flip side, you, you, it's, it takes a lot of effort because you have to constantly be reminding yourself over and over again. And so the part that, that, that we play in it is spiritual disciplines. We said that earlier. What part does it play? Oh, it plays. Spiritual disciplines is not the primary reason, but here's what it does. Every time I pray, I pray because Jesus loves me. I, I read my Bible because Jesus loves me. I give because Jesus loves me. I'm in community with people because Jesus loves me, and I love them. The, the, the response to the gospel is, I love God, I love my neighbor. Everything, the reason why we do spiritual disciplines or Christian practices or whatever you call them is in response to who we are. It's in response to the gospel. And so we do those things. Those things by no means are a prerequisite of grace. They're a response to grace. Because of what God has done, I do those things. And then sometimes people would say, well, what if I don't feel like doing? Here's what I'm saying. Your faith has to trump what you feel. And every morning I wake up, I promise you I don't feel like reading my Bible. I promise you. Um, some people think, oh, as a pastor, you just sit around all day and read the Bible all day. And I said, yeah, I keep thinking that. <laughs> right? I, I, every day I wake up, I don't feel like getting on my knees and praying. And yet I know that's exactly what I need. It doesn't improve my standing before God. My, God, my standing's already perfect. But what it does is it gives me a better understanding of who I am. It gives me a better understanding of who I am in Christ Jesus. And so that's what we see. And so sanctification. Now, let me close with this. When it comes to sanctification that's growing, I said it's progressive. Some of you will grow faster than others. Um, some of you will become more and more like Jesus faster than others. And it's annoying sometimes because you see people who became Christians the same time you did, and it feels like they're growing more than you, and you're wondering what's wrong. Um, sometimes you see people that got saved the same time you did, and you wonder why they're not growing. And there's a lot of factors in that. Um, part of it is sin. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Sin will never stop the process of sanctification, but it can slow it up. Um, a response to the gospel and obedience will, will, will never start the process, but it can speed it up. I, I constantly say that, um, and, and with trembling, I wonder how long I'm going to live because I feel like in my life, God's given me every single thing that I've needed. Like everything that, when people say, oh, I need an older guy in discipleship. I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't even know I needed that, but God brought me that. Um, I want a really, really awesome wife. God brought me that. I wanted two boys. I prayed for two boys. I'm telling you. 
I did. I'm not going to say it works, but I got two boys, right? <laughs> and and I feel, I, sometimes I feel like, God, are you just going to give me all this and then take me away? Like, what's, what's happening here? Um, but when it comes to sanctification, here's, here's what will help. Doing what God's called you to do. That's where obedience comes in. Doing what God's called you to do in response to the gospel. But um, sanctification, because of justification, it's inevitable. You're going to finish. The, the, the word here that says perfected in verse 3, um, it says it's finished. It's how you were finished. Paul, Paul continues in verse 4 and 5 and says, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And does he who supply the Spirit to you works miracles among you so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What Paul is communicating there is the Spirit will constantly be in your life, not by works of the law, but by hearing with faith. The best way to describe for me sanctification, the way it works is um, a couple days ago, we were in Disneyland. We took our, we took our boys to Disneyland. My, my in-laws were, gave us this awesome experience to go to Disneyland. I used to hate Disneyland as a, as a kid growing up because I just wasn't into, sorry, I know you guys are big fans. I just wasn't into Mickey and, and Donald Duck and you know, all of them, right? But there's nothing better than seeing your kids light up over Mickey and Donald Duck and all of them. It's like, now I'm like, yeah, hey, did you see Mickey? You know, I'm trying to speak in kid language. Well, one of the, one of the rides is a ride called Atopia, where you can drive. So Steve, my, my father-in-law, he gets in his car, and then in my car, well, in Noah's car, I'm in the, the passenger seat of my three-year-old. So Steve drives the car, he looks ahead, he's looking exactly what he needs to do, and, and you know how those things go. You push the gas, and then he kind of just drives, and he go to the right, he goes to the right, he goes to the left, and then he finished smooth, smooth ride, no bumps, it was great. Meanwhile, I let Noah drive, right? And so the whole time, I push the gas and let him drive. And Noah, being my son, being a lot like me, does not pay attention to what's in front of him. If there's people around, he stops what he's doing. He's looking over here. He's talking to people. Yo, Noah, 602-321. And, and, and he's, he's looking to the left. He's looking to the left. He's looking to the right. And in the whole time, and if you've ever been in these things, there's a rail that guards you from going too far to the right and too far to the left. So it's like, bam. Bam, bam. And I'm like, Noah, Noah, look ahead. And he goes, no, no, daddy, I got this. I got this, right? And I'm like, no, you don't. He's just driving here. But here's the deal. No, no matter how far he went to the right, there'd be a bump there, a reminder. No matter how far he went to the left and he looked to the left, there'll be a reminder. Um, that's a perfect picture of discipleship. And that's a perfect dis- the picture of sanctification. It's a perfect picture of the spirit in your life. Because naturally, we don't look forward naturally what we do is we get distracted to the things to the right, distracted to the things to the left. However, because of justification, sanctification is inevitable. Here's the deal. I had my foot on the gas the whole time. No matter how bad Noah was driving, no matter how far to the right, no matter how far to the left, guess what? Just like Steve finished, we finished. We finished. Some of you, you were living bumpy lives. Bumpy, bumpy lives. The gospel call to you is because you're free. Look ahead. Look to the cross. Look what Christ has done for you. The comfort in that is he'll never lose you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Sanctification is a reminder to us that God is more concerned for us being like Jesus than we are. He doesn't leave it up to our own abilities. He, by his own grace, works through us by the Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Um, God, that you have given us the gospel. And Lord, it's not always easy, Father, to understand the role of the gospel and the power of the Spirit in our life, Lord, when it, it would be a lot easier for us if you just gave us things to do and that you would accept us, Father God, if we, done the, if we did those things as opposed to if we didn't. And yet, Father, we thank you that your ways are far more higher than ours. And we thank you that you did work in and through us 
through Jesus Christ. We thank you that you did give us the Holy Spirit and that your spirit is constantly at work in our lives. And that as this, this verse says, that it's working miracles, Lord. It's the ongoing work of your spirit in our life. And so, God, we thank you for it. God, we thank you that in Christ, by grace and faith, that we are made right before you, that we are justified. And God, in this life, though we are sinners, God, though we fail, though we've, we veer to the right and to the left, we thank you that your spirit guides us, and that you would never lose us, you would never leave us, you would never bail out on us, God, but you draw near to us. Father, we thank you for the great grace of Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.